if you had to pick a favorite author, who do you think it would be? Oh, this one might sound like it's coming out of left field. Hillary Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me why. Tell me why. Justify your claim. I was walking through Target the other day, right? And I I browsed past the book section, and on the end cap, a, uh, a certain book caught my eye called State of Terror. By Hillary Rodham Clinton. Okay. <laughs> and I like I saw Hillary Clinton's name. I was immediately intrigued. I was like, is this going to be another like autobiography? She's, like, she is your favorite. Talking about boss. how, yeah, she is my favorite political figure. You know? Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. this going to be another autobiography talking about how Benghazi isn't her fault and yeah, how yeah, yeah. she's really good at foreign affairs? Right, 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 right. So I looked at it. And I looked a little closer and I looked at the, like the, read the back of the book. Yeah. It's a fucking novel, like a fiction book. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, oh, no, right? So she's, like, collabing. It's a quick collab. Like, okay. you know, Hillary Clinton X Supreme. I but wish we could do a collab with Hillary. Facts, bro. Same. No, it's Hillary Clinton X Lewis Penny, okay. who's actually, like, an established novelist, right? Okay. I don't fuck, I don't fuck with books, you know? We don't it's read never, around here. We don't, we don't read around <laughs> these parts. We don't be reading fiction. And anyways, reading through the plot synopsis, this shit sounds absolutely horrible. <laughs> She's literally just projecting, right? Yeah. So it's about this girl whose political rival has just become president, like out of out of nowhere. Like dude shouldn't have won. <laughs> eerily familiar. Won, but he won. You know that what is, I mean? That is eerily familiar and too. So you know, you know what he went and did? What did he Appointed do? her as press secretary. Oh, that sounds like a story I've heard before. So, so immediately, immediately I'm like or no, not press secretary, secretary of state. Right, so right. immediately I'm thinking, oh, she this is what she wanted Trump to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, is, well, she, she's she immediately was, projecting. She was appointed Secretary of State by a guy who beat her in the 2008 election. <laughs> facts, facts, facts. But this, they're taking it a step further. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, and, and the other party is appointing her. Oh, What's up with that? Bipartisanship. Yeah, no so mention. You know, she's like creaming about that. And she stays up late at night thinking about that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But then that's not even like the worst part. The worst part, the villain of the book is this quote-unquote evil pakistani arms dealer who is suspect yeah right it's already like very charged (laughs) immediately racist immediately incredibly charged okay (laughs) i can't bro i can't i can't (laughs) and so this guy like allegedly had killed her husband with an untraceable poison you know fiction oh like the havana syndrome (laughs) he hit him with the heart attack gun (laughs) just kidding that's what they that's what our government does Yeah, yeah, yeah but but anyway I digress, right? Mm -hmm. And so why this dude is out and about is because he was secretly freed from prison by the former administration. Oh, my God. It's like Trump when he gave him a pardon. It's like like Trump when he freed the fucking Taliban dudes. She's just just writing about real things, but inserting herself in them. That is so sad. Dude, I know. And it's like, you know the part about her husband dying? That's like her fantasy, too. She's like, she's still mad about uh, Hell yeah. about uh, what inspired Head in the Office. Oh, facts. The the name. Monica. Or, or, the occurrence <laughs> that inspired the name of Head in the Office. Exactly. She's still got beef with Monica. And yeah. she's like, fuck that stupid Naturally. fucker Bill. Like, how, I lost to Trump, but Bill was president? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that about? <laughs> That's so funny. We got to read that book for the pod. We got to do a book series. I'm low-key tempted, maybe over winter break, to like pick it up Facts. and do let like me, a deep dive. Let us know if you want to join the Head in the Office book club, <laughs> where we will dissect the greatest text that we can find together. Exactly. Maybe maybe that's a new exclusive maybe, Patreon thing. Yeah, no, maybe maybe we start with that. Maybe that's a goal once we hit a certain amount of money on Patreon. We start, right? a, book we start a fucking book club for our patrons. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the first one is State of Terror by Hillary Rodham Clinton. Facts. And the second one could be The President's Daughter. 
by Bill Clinton and James Patterson. Oh my God. Oh yeah. The only thing that's going to get me to read is a monetary incentive. (laughs) No, literally, literally. That's another funny thing is that Bill Clinton like set the precedent for this kind of like collab with an author, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's just coming through and doing it worse, kind of like everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to love Hillary Clinton and everything that she does, especially the 2008 election, the 2016 election, (laughs) and everything that happened afterwards. (laughs) Just roll the Pokemon Go to the polls. God, I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. Whoever wrote or whoever told her to like record that, was it a vine at that point? I don't know. Oh my God. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back to Head in the <laughs> Office. I hope you're ready for a great episode. Engage, I got good news. Okay. We're not talking reconciliation this Let's week. Let's go. This is like the first week in what, three, four episodes? Oh, it's got to be more than um, that. I'm sure it'll pop up at some point, but we're not dissecting it like we usually yeah, do. There's we like other a news. little bit of yeah. news, but it's not like, all right, guys, this is what's included. This is what's not included anymore. Yeah. There's some other stuff. Yeah, we got we actually got a lot of news to cover. We're going to talk about the Virginia governor's race that happened uh, last week and <laughs> also a couple other races shit. that happened on Election Day 2021. Facts. There were some climate summits that happened over the last week. And uh, then we'll, fucking again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we'll end on talking about some Nazi sympathizers and QAnon oh, sympathizers. Love that. Yeah, yeah. That's love a really that. good topic for us to talk about. But first, first. we're going to go through all the normal... All the normal items on the laundry list. You know, check out the Patreon, YouTube, exactly. TikTok, help out the show. Um, if you want to watch the full video version of this episode, find it on Patreon. Hit up the Patreon. We drop know. it on Patreon every Wednesday. You every Wednesday. Along with the do. regular audio format. Exactly. Um, and also, speaking of supporting the show, leave a five-star Ooh. review on Apple. We got a couple to read today, exactly. actually. We got two. A couple, couple super, super cool guys yeah. and gals and theys, maybe. Theys? Exactly. Knows? Super knows? cool people. Yeah, yeah. All right. So first one was from uh, Lalo. The subject line, Bee's Needs of a Podcast. Wow. Bee's Needs of a Podcast. Reviewing from Tijuana, Mexico, or from San Diego, California. So maybe they moved or they're they're down. Whatever. Either way. Um, way. But hey, you're international now, guys. Anyways, I saw some of their stuff on TikTok and listened to one of their podcasts. And it happened to be the one on Afghanistan and the border crisis and became hooked. That was a good good episode. That was a good episode. I can't blame you. (laughs) Then it says hooked, all caps, by the way. Hooked. Okay. Uh, Telling everyone I know about this pod, like I just discovered sliced bread. Huge fan, and if I had cash, I'd donate. But for now, like Congress, I'll send thoughts and prayers (laughs) that you get a new mic. (laughs) That's a bar right there. That's a bar. That is a great review. Thank you. Thank you for that one. Really Um, appreciate it. I'm glad you liked the Afghanistan video. I thought our coverage of that was pretty solid. Exactly. Uh, the second one is from TNIC18. Okay. Subject line, better progressive slander than Fox News. Hey, you know how we do. Yeah. Uh, it says, these guys do their research, back up their fact or back their facts up with logic and data and kill me in the process. Hey. If they keep this up, they'll be fighting JR for that top spot. What can I say, bro? JR, like the, the wrestling commentator guy, like a WWE, or is JR somebody else? Possibly. Possibly. Well, either way, we're going to rival JR for that top spot. Exactly. We got it. We're coming for him. <laughs> we are coming for him. What can I say? We're rivaling JR for that top spot. If you want us to read your five-star review on the show, just leave one on Apple. Exactly. Even if you don't listen on Apple, head over to Apple, leave a review. We'll read it. You can pretty much drop anything. Yeah. If you have heard, if you listen to any other pods, you've heard the yeah. abysmal stuff I've said. Yeah. Just, you, you can say pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. All right. Let's get right into our news coverage. First thing on the list today is uh, you want to talk about the vaccine mandate? Yeah. So y'all know about the vaccine mandate that Biden put in place. What was that? Like probably a month and a half ago yeah. at this point saying that any business with over 100 employees has to have everybody vaccinated by mm-hmm. January 4th 
or they have to undergo weekly testing yep. or something like that. Yeah, so apparently, you know how conservators are making a big stink about that, making a big poo-poo in their diapers, right? Just, they're making a big poo-poo in their diapers about everything that has to do with COVID. Yeah, literally about anything just at all right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's all they can what they do. do. They've taken that poo-poo stinky to the federal appeals court, the federal appellate oh. court. <laughs> <laughs> and so a bunch of Trump-appointed judges have said, yeah, actually, you know what? We're going to issue a stay on this mandate. And give Biden's yeah. Justice Department until like Monday at 4 p.m. to the end of the business day, you know? Oh, like Monday, November 8th? Yeah, Monday, oh. November 8th, as in tomorrow. Well, actually, not tomorrow for you guys. Tomorrow two days for ago us. for you guys. Exactly. Two days ago for you guys to like issue a statement about it. I don't really know what it means, but they're testing the constitutionality of the mandate, <sighs> which I think is fucking weird and stupid. I don't, I don't get it because... Uh, we've talked about this before on the pod, but vaccine mandates have been deemed constitutional by the Supreme Court for the last, I don't know, like 115 years, yeah. 116 years since 1905. Big Daddy Washington. So I don't really know what them. what question there is around this. And I guess the one thing that Trump did accomplish other than the tax cuts in 2017 was rigging <laughs> the court system. Yeah, yeah. Because that is exactly what he did. Because after the liberals, the Democrats, got rid of the, um, the filibuster for judicial candidates, mm-hmm. Trump could just push through anything. In a Senate that uh, the Republicans dominated, didn't he get to? Um, didn't he get to a point like an abnormal number of justices yes. too? Yeah, and he got three Supreme Court justices, which is Trump. fucking insane. Yeah, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and uh, Amy Coney Barrett. God damn. Yeah, bro. so that's a that's a whole lot of fun. And I would not be surprised if they're like, yeah, you can't mandate this vaccine. Sorry, buddy. I also wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Especially considering like, have you seen, have you seen the talks about the uh, Texas abortion thing that's been going on? With the Supreme Court? Yeah. Yeah. They've been talking about it, and people have been challenging it, saying, like, okay, so if you want to uphold this law in which people can sue someone else on zero grounds that they were harmed, like, yeah. they are not being harmed. They don't have they any can standing. sue someone else on no standing. Does that mean that I can sue someone else for, like, owning guns? Right. And shit like that? Yeah. And they, like... That's it's a fucky process, bro. And you know our opinions about the Supreme Court. If you don't, if you may be a new listener, <laughs> Listen to like episode eight, yeah, check out Scotus wants you to be homeless because they do. That was a popular episode. That, that was, was, that was, was our episode. second yeah, most popular. I wouldn't be surprised if Supreme Court just makes a series of very bad decisions. They actually they haven't been that horrible so far. But a lot of the the big yeah. cases that have been brought to them have been like nothing. Like they can't do anything with it procedurally, Facts. at least. Facts. They like the one about yeah. the ACA, they had to reject like on procedural grounds, on yes. standing. I think it was. So like I don't know. We'll see. Don't really know we'll see how this vaccine that, mandate thing goes. It seems like everything that's been coming to them, they've just been ruling horribly on, like the eviction moratorium. Oh, that, yeah. Okay, that's true. given given precedent from the eviction moratorium. How they're saying that the CDC really doesn't have those powers. I wouldn't be surprised if they went and said that OSHA does not have the power to grant the vaccine mandates in like yeah. these circumstances, because that's the Biden administration's main like claim to fame. When it comes to this, is that OSHA had broad powers when it comes to workplace safety, which is true, by the way. Yeah, which is very true, and this is a workplace safety matter. Yeah, when you have fucking hundreds of people crowded into cubicles in a fucking office building. Yeah, that's an issue. It's it's like the same thing as uh, how OSHA requires you to wear a hard hat, but when you take off your hard hat, everyone else has to as well. <laughs> that's basically what it is by like yeah. it's it's a rough analogy maybe it's not perfect okay, but okay. You, you get what i'm trying exactly, to say exactly exactly <laughs> no right. okay yeah yeah no facts yeah. Yeah, yeah if you choose to take off yours you're hurting everyone else exactly it's yeah no it's fucking stupid dude. right it's like people have compared it to like seat belts as well yeah. but in my mind it's more comparable to like stopping at a red light because if you choose to just not stop at red lights anymore, you could hit somebody. You might You're not. You're fucking over everyone else. You might not hit somebody, but yeah. you also might hit somebody and just fuck somebody over it's completely. Like, it's like stopping at a red light, but your windows are tinted 100%. Matter of fact, they're not even tinted. They're just black glass, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
and you're just going through the red light. All you have is your forward window. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into uh, the next piece of news, which is the Virginia governor's race. And we'll talk probably a little bit about the one in New Jersey as well. But I, I want to focus yeah. on Virginia. Did, did we come out with a dub in New Jersey? We did, like by like 1%. I know it was slim. <laughs> it was very slim in a state that should never, ever be slim. Literally. But we'll talk about that. So for those unaware, November 2nd was election day. Uh, in the United States. And if you live in a state that doesn't have like a big statewide election, you may not have been aware of this, but yeah. there was lots of local elections. Not going to lie, I wasn't even aware of this <laughs> until I went to my dining hall and they're like, yeah, you can go vote over there. And I was like, oh, facts, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we live in Michigan, so we really only had uh, local elections that we had to take care of. It was nothing crazy. Yeah, nothing crazy. But um, for Virginia, they had a governor's race and they yeah. always have a governor's race on off years every single time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always between, it's right after the president gets elected or reelected and then before the midterms. So it's yes. always in that really weird time slot. Um, so a lot of states may not have had elections, but Virginia did. And the race was between a Democrat, Terry McAuliffe, who has been a governor before, but in Virginia, they don't let you serve consecutive terms for some reason. So he was going back for it again. Yeah. I think he won in, was it 2017 or something like that? Is it two-year terms? Oh, wait, no. He must have won. He won in like 2013, 2010. I don't yeah, know. It was, it was during year, Obama. It's six-year terms for a governor, right? No, I think it's four or four for Virginia. Honestly, I have no fucking idea. I have no idea. He won during Obama. That's all I know. Okay, okay. And it's not important. All you need to know is that he was governor before. And he was running against this dude named Glenn Youngkin, who's the Republican candidate. <laughs> Who fucking sucks. Yeah, They both terrible. fucking suck, but Youngkin's worse. Yeah, so McAuliffe was leading in the polls for the last several months, like uh, for a very long time, for a big chunk of time during mm -hmm. the summer especially. It was very clear that McAuliffe was in the lead. Every yeah. poll said so. And as we got closer and closer to the election, it seemed as though the gap was closing. And by the time of the election, by November 2nd, it was a toss up. Um, so in the end, Youngkin, the Republican, won 50 percent or 50.9 percent to McAuliffe's 48.4 percent. So it was about a two or one to two percent difference. It's like what? He lost by 200,000 votes yeah. or something like that. Well, I, I don't know the exact vote margin, but I know McAuliffe had... 200 more votes than the previous gubernatorial oh, okay. Democrat that won uh, in the election cycle prior, but he still lost. So conservatives turned out. Yes, conservatives turned cycle. out big time and Democrats kind of turned out, but not enough. Democrats also have an issue of being like, oh, we have the presidency. We're safe. Yeah. So which historically is wrong, by the way. Incredibly wrong. Yeah. Considering really considering the last three years of Obama's second term. Uh, case in point, 2010. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, so the campaign uh, between McAuliffe and Youngkin, very generally, focused a lot on education, which, in my mind, should really just be an easy win for Democrats it's a layup. at this point. This, it, this whole gubernatorial race should have been a layup. Like, I know there's a lot of policies that Republicans and conservatives in general are bad on, but yeah. education is literally the easiest one to own them on. They're dog shit. Like, it's so easy. It's like private schools bad. Easily, easily defensible that they're bad. Exactly. And then the the fucking in Texas, in Texas, they said, oh yeah, you don't have to teach your kids that the KKK is bad. Right. Run on that. That's an easy layup. <laughs> Come on. That's an easy layup. Um. And the main question, or well, one of the main questions, was should parents have a role for a kid's education? That was one of the big questions that oh Young can just God. destroyed McAuliffe on. McAuliffe said, I don't think parents need a role. In the in their child's education and public yeah. schooling, and of course, Young encountered with yes, they do. You're crazy. Parents' um, bill of rights. Yeah, and that hurt McAuliffe a lot. In my opinion, of course, is I I mean I agree with McAuliffe on this, but he probably didn't deliver it uh, deliver it very well. But the answer yeah. is no. 
Oh, yeah, definitely not. What do you know as a parent that a teacher does not? You're not an expert. These yeah. people have dedicated their lives to education. That yeah. doesn't mean that the education system is perfect. It is certainly flawed. Oh, yeah. But that is not the job of the parents as individuals to try and tailor their kids' curriculum. It's the jobs of other outside groups, other outside experts yeah. to sort of enact checks and balances on these things. Also, I don't know why like this whole conversation is based on the context or based on the premise that parents don't interact with the school system at all. The PTO. They literally, well, the PTO, but they also arrived in mass to like Wait. school board meetings. PTO. Parent teacher something. Is is it, it, there's some like parent teacher. It's, like, it's it parent teacher. I think I fucked up the acronym. Oh, is it PTO? Am I thinking of paid time off? <laughs> <laughs> it's budget reconciliation. I like, know what you're talking through. about. Yeah, the parent anyways, teacher or something. Not only like they can arrive at school board meetings and they have been <laughs> the past <laughs> yes, years. Yes. But they also vote for their school board members. Yeah, they elect the people that create the curriculum. Yeah, and like you can make the argument that our elections aren't very efficient. I would agree, but yeah. that's a whole other issue. Thanks, <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks. Completely removed from this. But yeah, I would just say like kids aren't your property. You know, like oh, you may no, have given birth to them, but also it you rely on a lot of other factors to ensure that your kid can get uh, a good childhood and like mm -hmm. be raised correctly. It's not just up to the parent, and I think it's kind of foolish to think so. Um, and that's probably just a result of like capitalism and, and, the, like, and the intense focus on the nuclear family. You know? What are you an expert on other yeah. than like middle management? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me a good reason why you should teach a child. Yeah, give me a reason, good reason why you know the correct way that we should teach American history. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on yeah. now. And I know uh, Youngkin's response, especially because when it comes to this critical race theory stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Youngkin's response is like. America has bad history and it also has a good history and we should teach both, mm -hmm. which is like, it's the yes. standard conservative right. talking point, but they don't really mean that. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Youngkin said that. And then McAuliffe basically said like parents have no role, which made a lot of people angry. Bad optics. Like, yeah, the, very bad optics. The, his whole campaign was horrible optics. Really bad optics. There's this. And then there's just the, I think you, you have it like, like coming up right now. It's just, he's not Trump. Yeah. It was yeah. all Yunkin is Virginia Trump. Yeah. And that's that's how he ran his collection. Yeah. And we'll we'll get there in just a moment. But an, the other big topic also closely related to education was critical race theory. Oh, yeah. Which has been a topic that has exploded like ever since Biden was elected, I feel like, or even before. That. It was right before. I think it was right before the uh, the 2020 election mm -hmm. is when that started like really hitting like hitting its stride in yeah. the mainstream media. Yeah. So. Critical race theory, for some reason, was a big point that Youngkin had, like a big tonky point he used. Yeah. And for those that don't know, that have not been paying attention or just like don't really care about this whole critical race theory controversy, mm -hmm. CRT, critical race theory, is an academic framework that looks at the intersection of law, legality, and race and how it upheld, upholds institutionalized racism and how it has oh, yeah. throughout history. It's not taught in elementary school. It's also not taught in middle school. It is not taught in high school. <laughs> no. It is barely taught in college. In fact, me as a college student, if I wanted to go and learn about critical race theory, I would have to actively like put in work to find a class that would teach yeah. me about it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a political science student in college. Yeah. I don't learn about critical race theory. Yeah, no. You literally. only learn about critical race theory in like high level criminal justice courses. Exactly. Like it's not it's not a fucking thing like that. You have to actively seek it out if you want to learn anything yes. about it. Yeah. And the thing is that when it comes to critical race theory, conservatives aren't referring to that academic term. They're mm -hmm. referring to teaching children that the KKK is bad, that yeah. slavery happened, that Columbus may not have been a very good guy and stuff like mm -hmm. that. They're referring to teaching children an accurate history of or teaching children accurate history. Yeah. That's what they're referring to. They're referring to teaching kids that eh, there might still be some after effects of segregation today. Yeah. 
Like we don't we, – this is besides the fact that we don't even get nearly as deep in public schools as we should about mm-hmm. things like this. I didn't learn about the Tulsa race riots until like from – I learned about it in a TikTok. Yes, me too. I did not learn about it in my <laughs> history class, in my yeah. American history class. I, I also learned about it on social media. I learned nothing about Malcolm X in history other mm-hmm. than Malcolm X bad, yeah. which is an incredibly like stripped of context view of that figure. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and all you learn about is like Martin Luther King good because he did nothing that was violent. Yeah, like, even that, though he did. That's it. Even yeah. though he did. Yeah, no, there were riots back <laughs> then. Facts. He was demonized. He was treated as like the worst person. He was like the most hated man in America. Literally. Bro was on an FBI terrorist watch list. Yeah, the FBI killed him. Facts. <laughs> like, um, anyways, so critical race theory is only – it's the reason this popped up as an actual controversy is because this think tank, this conservative think tank called the Manhattan Institute was trying to think of ways that they could gin up culture war issues – that they could use as like a wedge issue in elections. Yeah. And that is exactly what they did. And it worked. Like it, there are people that have admitted. I can't remember this dude's name. It's Christopher Rufo. He okay. works at the Manhattan Institute. He literally admitted on Twitter that his Ooh. organization created this controversy as a way to rile up the base. Yeah, I've seen that. Like that's like his exact language too. He said some shit like, oh yeah, this is like a non-issue, but this will rile up the base. Like he said that publicly on Twitter. He admitted it. I bet the tweet is still there. Oh, I'm sure it is. I saw it like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, he openly admitted that he was him and his organization were trying to come up with culture war issues that don't matter that will make people angry because conservatives can't talk to you about policy and yeah. frankly at this point voters don't really care about policy and it's like it's like conservative elites treat their constituency well constituency their voter base worse than democratic elites do mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, conservatives hate their base and they treat them like idiots. <laughs> At least Democrats will lie to you and try to gaslight you and to make you feeling like they're doing something. Conservatives will just spit in your face. <laughs> yeah. like, I also want to add that like these culture war issues are a very normal thing. Like uh, these kinds of issues pop up all the time. Anytime you talk to conservatives, you'll see yeah. it a lot with people like Ben Shapiro, Charlie Kirk, those kind of commentators. They came up off the culture war. Yeah. That's it. It's things like Dr. Seuss when those like six books mm-hmm. were recalled for being racist or like Antifa or transgender bathrooms or the gay superman controversy (laughs) like or or the even the uh the captain america controversy that we talked about on like the second episode it's all a distraction none of it's real it's all it's all manufactured issues and whenever they do do policy it's so bad and the american public recognizes that it's so bad Mm -hmm. that it forces us to elect democrats and democrats realize that and so they they don't need to do anything when they're in power because they know oh if we lose power conservatives get it for another four years it's not gonna hurt us it's yeah. not going to hurt our bottom line as literally the corporate elite. So yep. we'll just kind of coast. Yeah. We'll just kind of post and make memes about how orange man bad. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get elected again. And, and here I thought, when it comes to critical race theory, I thought that safe spaces on schools in schools were bad. <laughs> I thought I thought that it was yeah. facts over feelings. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> I, I thought that we were prioritizing facts over feelings. Yeah. But apparently when it comes to conservatives, you can't do that. Y'all are conservatives are always talking about how safe spaces are bad and you're a bunch of liberal snowflakes until they're the ones that get made fun of. Yeah. And then, I have nowhere to go. Everybody's making fun of me. Yeah, because the whole argument with critical race theory is that it makes white kids feel ba- bad about themselves. It doesn't. Which it, it yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. But that's the narrative. And I also thought like, well, I thought if, you know, facts make you feel bad, then you need to adjust your thinking. Literally. Like that's their argument the, against the, everything the else. Only, the only white people that being taught about critical race theory would make feel bad you're being taught about accurate American history would make feel bad are people who actively perpetuate those systems today. Yeah. And even then, it's a wake-up call to do better. Yeah. Like, you know, the only people that are feeling bad are people that are racist. If you are feeling bad about these things, maybe you should look inward and change. Yeah. 
instead of resorting to these defense mechanisms and becoming a fucking alt-right conservative. Or your defense mechanism is running for the Texas legislature and then passing laws that make it so kids don't have to learn about oh history. Oh my god, dude, literally. <laughs> That's the ultimate coping mechanism. <laughs> Straight up. So uh, these two issues, just education in general, critical race theory, all that kind of stuff, it was a small part of McCullough's loss, but I wouldn't say the entire reason. Oh yeah. And I, I would say the other part of this is his terrible campaigning and just the democratic strategy overall. Mm. And also I would say... McCullough got clapped because he's a soggy cookie. <laughs> soggy cookie? <laughs> Wait, like soggy cookie like the game? Soggy <laughs> cookie. Look it up on Urban Dictionary. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. McCullough- We're not responsible for any. <laughs> Terry McCullough did not excite a single person. He was the no. most moderate centrist Democrat that you could find. He had ran for governor before. He was governor before. He was treated as the incumbent, as like the status quo that nobody yeah. wants. He didn't embrace anything on the progressive agenda. Oh God, not no. even a little bit. The most progressive thing he did was like, gay people should exist. Facts. <laughs> like, Facts. He was held hostage by the moderates in Congress, like him, mm-hmm. who were willing to do nothing about uh, the reconciliation bill, the infrastructure bill. They hadn't passed anything. D.C. was basically in gridlock. And he never talked about policies that like fired anybody up. Yeah. And you know what policies specifically within the Virginia like political sphere would fire people up? What? Workers' rights. Yeah. Virginia is ranked last in workers' rights. Really? Some shit like that. They're, they have horrible workers' rights laws. Yeah. And I know I was doing some reading about him last night. Apparently, like a big thing that he ran on whenever the fuck he was governor before mm-hmm. was that he was going to end right to work. Yeah. Which would be fire. If you don't know what right to work is, right to work states, basically you can work for somewhere and you don't have to join the union. Yeah. You can just be a scab. Yeah. So, like, that fucking sucks. Very coercive policy. Exactly. Yeah. People wanted him to end right to work, and he never did that. Mm-hmm. And then he comes through now, and he doesn't campaign on a single worker's right issue? Nope. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, he was very moderate with this campaign. Like, the most extreme thing he probably said was that thing about parents. Like, parents <laughs> shouldn't be involved in a kid's education. And even then, he didn't deliver it correct at all. No. He could have just said, like, parents are involved. He did it in a way that's going to alienate parents. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to abar- alienate the suburban class yeah. that helped Joe Biden win. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll get to the larger critique in just a second. But he also ran a terrible campaign, like Gage mentioned, where all he did was try to link Youngkin with Donald Trump. Like he, he tried to b- counter everything that Youngkin said by basically saying, you're Donald Trump. And then Youngkin would be like, no, I'm not. And then that would be that. <laughs> like, that was the whole campaign. He doesn't have any like, follow up. There was actual like literature that was sent around in the mail from the Democratic Party, from uh, McCullough's campaign. Uh-huh. That was just it was a it was like a spread piece of mail. And it said... Yunkin endorsed by Donald Trump. And it would just be a bunch of things that Yunkin said good about Trump, a bunch of things Trump said good about Yunkin, and that was it. Who does that fire up? Exactly. That, that would only fire up, like, I'm sorry, like three people on Twitter. Yeah, no, it, and it said it was postmarked by the Democratic Party because that's the law. You have to postmark the mail yeah. you send around for campaigns. And it literally just looked like a piece of mail that's, like, positive for Yunkin. Like, I looked at that, and before I saw the Democratic Party thing, I was like, oh, this is some pro-Yunkin literature. Yeah, if I- <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? If I had any, like, any sort of, like, positive uh, affinity for Donald Trump, it's like, oh, shit, maybe I'll go out and vote for Yunkin. Yeah. Because who's sending things like that for McCullough? Or even if I'm an average voter in Virginia that even voted for Joe Biden but, yeah. like, doesn't pay that much attention to politics, and I see that, I'm like, oh, well, he's got supporters. Facts. You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, Trump said that he's going to bring jobs back. Like, McCullough's entire campaign hinged on the idea that people are still thinking about Donald Trump. And a lot of average people who are very disconnected from politics, which is yeah. a lot of voters, 
are not thinking about Donald Trump. They're thinking about how they're going to get their families to survive to the next fucking week. Exactly. Everybody's already forgotten about January 6th. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they're not thinking about this dude. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not thinking about any crisis. Speaking of, like, <laughs> crises <laughs> yeah. and white nationalism, apparently the uh, the Lincoln, was it the Lincoln Project? Probably. They, like, staged some kind of controversy at a Yunkin rally yes. where they had people dress up like the, um, the Unite the Right rally, which the, is the people the, uh, in North Carolina. Yeah, oh, that were like supporting the KKK and and that kind of stuff. It was it was the exactly. Nazi thing. It was the Nazi it thing was the Trump Nazi did, thing. and Trump's like there are good people on both sides. Yeah, it was the Nazi thing that Joe Biden said motivated him to run in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lincoln Party staged something like that where they paid interns to go stand dressed up as those people in yeah. front of a Yunkin rally, and then they got caught for it and were like, "Oh my bad." Quite literally, just lied. Yes, <laughs> quite literally, just lied. Yeah. And they're conservatives too, so I don't know what the point of it was. <laughs> Maybe it was a maybe it was like a double a double switch up. You know what I'm saying? Like they did it <laughs> a on double purpose. bluff. It was a double bluff. Yeah, they did it on purpose <laughs> to like get people to vote for Yunkin. Yeah, so that he could be like, look, fake news. Which oh, like, true, true. which is literally fake news. <laughs> yeah, it literally wasn't real. Anyway, that's just one example of how bad the campaign was. And the thing is that Yunkin isn't even a strong candidate. He's I'm not sure. I'm sure he's not. He's just another fucking millionaire. He's from the Carlisle Group. I love that. Which is like uh, some group that funds um, a bunch of like militant operations. Um, and Ooh. does a bunch of things like defense contractors, I think. Okay, okay. But, like, he contributed $20 million to his own campaign. <laughs> <laughs> like, he wasn't a popular dude. God damn, He was bro. trailing in the polls for months until Young, or, uh, McAuliffe started fumbling the bag. I'm I probably, can't even keep them straight because they're basically the same person. I'm probably not even going to see $20 million in my, like, lifetime. No. And this motherfucker's just, oh, yeah, let me just throw this at my campaign. That he should have lost. Yeah. That he very well should have lost. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I saw some... We've seen a lot of uh, conversations, basically, around this campaign. Mm -hmm. One that I wanted to bring up, though, was like, this dude named James Carville. And for those that don't know, he's just this longtime political strategist. He's been in the game of politics for a long time. Yeah. He helped uh, destabilize Bolivia, by the way. Love that. Um, he was involved in some of their elections and stuff. He's basically just this political consultant. Just shitter. Yeah, he's exactly what you would expect. <laughs> he had some things to say about wokeness in the campaign, though. He said, okay. this is a quote from the article I saw. He said, don't just look at Virginia and New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Even look at Seattle, Washington. I mean, this defund the police lunacy, this Abraham, this take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean, people see that. And he went on to say things like Democrats focus too much on wokeness and not enough on the economy. And my point here is that he's missing the mark because what he yeah. thinks wokeness is is not like correct. Facts. But he's low key right. The Democrats do not focus enough on populist messaging. Oh, yeah, no, and that's exactly right. They don't focus enough on populist messaging because I would say that he's he's wrong in saying that they don't focus enough on the economy because the only economic messages that they push, well, they do push economic messages. It's just ones that people don't fucking like. Yeah. It's austerity measures. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's dumb neoliberal politics. Yes. It is just, it's bailouts for the big banks. It's bailouts for any corporation, but zero bailouts for you. Yeah. Joe and Biden ending unemployment like he did was probably one of the things that helped him lose. It's usually these massive bailouts because Republican policies cause the economy to yeah. fucking tank. But they don't like to talk about that. They don't like to get up on there and, like, agitate a little bit. Yeah. Fucking They're demons. losers. They're lo and, and the Democrats focus so much on this performance. Like saying, like, yes, I believe in climate change. Yes, uh -huh. I believe gay people should be able to marry. Yes, I believe trans people should exist. Which mm -hmm. is like, yes, the the fight for, like, identity equality is very, very important. Yeah. But they never focus on delivering an actual progressive agenda. And they never focus on the material – solving material conditions yeah. that exacerbate these um, inequalities, these yeah. social inequalities. Yeah. And so our last kind of section on this was that naturally – 
anytime Democrats suffer any kind of loss, it's blamed on progressives. And that is exactly what happened here. McAuliffe was a very moderate centrist candidate, and naturally progressives got blamed. So the Democratic Party really deemed McAuliffe to be like a safe candidate. He was very moderate, and Virginia, even though it's been won by Democrats for the last decade, is still kind of a purple state. And now it's definitely a purple state, by the way. (laughs) Um, But of course... But, of course, it still wasn't enough because McAuliffe still lost. Exactly. So party leadership is blaming the progressives. Love that. And it makes me – it this thing, this kind of uh, blame that the progressives get anytime something goes wrong for moderate Democrats astounds me because I'm thinking, like, maybe he lost because he excited absolutely nobody. Yeah. Because centrists like him are the ones that are stalling Joe Biden's agenda in Congress. And McAuliffe also ran a fucking terrible campaign. This is also just accepting conservative framing. Yet again, in that they're saying, okay, it's working. Conservatives are successfully linking these literally like right wing candidates within the Democratic Party to socialism. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, McAuliffe is the farthest thing you can get from a socialist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's peak neoliberal. Like all these fucking candidates are. Yeah. But you know. Nowhere close to a socialist. You know, if he would have won, then it's, oh, bro, people love modern Democrats. People love austerity. Yeah. People absolutely love when we do nothing for them and get nothing done, even though we have all three <laughs> corners of the federal government. People absolutely love when their candidate links the opposing candidate to a former president while the current president, who's in their own party, is doing very poorly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the great when, campaign strategy. When they're, they're, the president from their party has an approval rating almost the same as Trump's. Yeah. Like, bro, dropped down to, like, 54% approval, mm-hmm. like, last week. Bro, what are you doing? Yeah, Biden's been sub-50. Like <laughs> Biden also had a layup. Yeah. Had a layup, and he's yeah. fumbling it. And I, my larger critique on all of this is that the progressive agenda is wildly, wildly popular. Like, I, I found a quote from the Daily Beast that says, A Vox slash Data for Progress poll conducted last month found 71% of voters support raising taxes on the wealthiest Americans and 60% support Biden's signature spending plan at the full $3.5 trillion. Hell yeah. Like these these policies are extremely, uh, extremely, extremely popular. Like a lot of people support them. Yeah. But Democrats, moderate Democrats can't support them because if they did, if they fully supported a progressive policy platform, then that would justify people like Bernie Sanders and AOC. No. And the more power they get in the Democratic Party, the less the Democratic Party can support their corporate backers. Exactly. And to them, that is the end of the fucking world. That's It's the end of the world because it, it quite literally is the end of the world to them. Yeah. Because then they lose their bottom line. Yes. They, they only make money off of the outrage cycle. Mm-hmm. That's literally it. That's all that liberal politics are. Yeah. That's why liberal politics is so weak, because moderate Democrats have to somehow toe this line in an ever polarizing country between a, a Republican Party that keeps getting more and more extreme yeah. and a left wing of the Democratic Party or the more independent wing like Bernie Sanders pushing further to the left or just advocating for what they always have. Uh-huh. And it's getting harder for the Democrats to sit in the middle because sitting in the middle means allowing the Republican Party to stomp all over them. But adhering to the further left means adopting a policy platform that would go completely against supporting corporations exactly. and that big money. That would hurt their advertisers over exactly. at CNN. That's why CNN is dog shit. Yeah. They literally cannot run a progressive agenda because that justifies the furthest left of their party. They it's, can't do it. Like Especially in today's DNA, because you can kind of see it. You can kind of see it when you watch CNN that all the anchors are kind of on edge now. Yeah. Especially when anything like this happens. They are quick to blame progressives and they go at progressives hard. And you mm. know what it is? It's because progressive media is coming up. Independent media is literally coming up. It's already been happening within the conservative sphere. 
Yeah. Like people focus on Fox News. Newsmax was it pretty much independent. They're still very shitty. It yeah. looks like something you'd see in like the background of iCarly. Like <laughs> yeah. that's how bad the production is. You yeah. know what I mean? And then you have people like Hassan who literally pulled more numbers than was it CNBC? C- CBS and I think and CNBC. Yeah, then CBS and CNBC on, on election, election night. <laughs> yeah. You have an independent streamer, one person pulling more fucking viewers in than these major network corporations. Yeah. The and the Democratic Party is right now the only uh, institutionalized left-wing outlet that there is. Yeah. And they aren't even left-wing. Not at all. Like, you can't use the Democratic Party and all the moderates that sit within it to push progressive agenda. We've seen that throughout the last few months, how Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema just don't bend. And also some uh, House Democrats are very much like, well, I don't want to raise taxes, even though it's wildly popular, 71% (laughs) of Americans. Oh, yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I I don't get it. Speaking of, like... Uh, bad political coverage, though. Oh, I, do you have something in here from oh, Anderson oh, Cooper? An I Anderson do, Cooper interview, specifically CNN and CNN reporters being very mad. Yeah, because this dude was fucking fuming behind his eyes. You could just see hate in there. <laughs> I would encourage you to look up the Anderson Cooper video with Representative Jayapal. Yeah, shit is crazy. But Pramila I'm gonna Jayapal it. is a dog, by the way. Facts. I'm gonna I'm oh, summarize yeah. it right here for you all. So basically, in this astoundingly fucking bad interview, Cooper had on Representative Jayapal, who is the chair for the Progressive Caucus in the House, yep. right? And the first thing this dude said when she got on was, do you take any blame for this? <laughs> this keep in mind, the context of this interview is it's right after uh, Youngkin won. And you know the first thing Joe Manchin was asked? He was like, he was asked, do you blame the progressives for this? Yes, yes. Love that. I absolutely love that. By Brett Bayer, right? Yes. Oh, my yes. God, bro. Speaking of that interview, Brett Bayer was creaming himself. Yes, he was. Oh, he was my so God. Happy. That was so entertaining. That was actually gold. But anyway, immediately just wants the smoke. He's yeah. coming on strong, yeah. right? As someone who, like, pretends to be progressive, by the way. Yeah, exactly. This dude fucking sucks. Don't ever trust Anderson Cooper. He's a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's he looks dickhead. cool. He talks about cool things, but he supports corporate interests all the way. Exactly. He f- fucking sucks. But this is what kind of caught me off guard because Representative Jayapal dodged the question. Yeah. And she just started talking about the Build Back Better agenda. And okay. she's talking about how like, oh, this is like a really good thing. And this is going to like, this is going to do all this. And she's detailing the plan, mm-hmm. which like had me like, what the fuck are you doing? Like. This is easy. Like, just take it on the chin and be like, no, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. No, literally, just take it on the chin and be like, no, actually, you fucking suck. Yeah. Spit it right back at him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I digress. Then Anderson cut her off and said, you're talking about people needing help because she's talking about how the Build Back Better plan will help people. Naturally. Because, like, it will. Mm-hmm. It would have even more at $3.5 trillion, and it would have even more at $6 trillion, but I digress yet again. Yeah. <laughs> This dude said, you talk about people needing help, but doesn't seem like people are asking you progressive Democrats for help. They're asking Republicans. <laughs> um, no, motherfucker. They're not asking corporate Democrats for help because they're fi- the layer is finally being peeled back. Yeah. They're finally looking at what's going on. And what you guys do is just – it's so surface level. It's just – there's nothing to it. Yeah. Everybody's noticing like your whole plan, your whole grift. Yeah, it's no, shitty. Corporate Democrats or like moderate Democrats, I guess, people that are not embracing the further left wing of the party or just the left wing in general, they can't actually implement policies that will do anything of substance for people. They can't. Yeah. Because doing so is antithetical to their existence. And like, it will destroy them and their party. Let's keep in mind 
that Youngkin was not running against a progressive. No, <laughs> that's the thing. He was running against the most centrist candidate. That's the thing is that there's so many people blaming the progressives for like McCullough getting labeled as like a socialist or a super left wing candidate. He was the most moderate person you can think of. Exactly. And no voter was sitting here thinking like McCullough's a socialist. They just thought he was dog ass and running sucks. as a candidate. He is like he he could have he could have done that himself. He could have distanced himself from those ideas. You can do that easily. And that would say you're not fine. a socialist. That's all you got to do. Do what Mark. That's what Mark Kelly did. Yeah. All he said is, "No, I'm a capitalist through and through. I have my own space company. Let's go fly to the moon." Exactly. You know what I mean? Elon Musk type beat. That's it. Like that's it. It's not that fucking hard, right? Yeah. And and some of this, like you may say, we're being a bit too harsh on McCullough, and you know maybe that's fine. Some of this is a part of larger trends that are happening in the country with polarization, and typically candidates uh, from the party of the president after presidential election do pretty yeah. poorly. Just. That's just how politics has worked in our country. I'm sure it works similarly in other countries with parties. Because, you know, we're international now. But at the same time, Democrats have been on this, like, declining trend for a long time. Yeah. And you got to wonder, like, if they refuse to embrace a progressive agenda, if they refuse to embrace populist policies that actually excite people, they're just going to keep losing. Yeah. The, rub- the Republicans are going to keep winning. So it, for the Democrats, for the, the moderate Democrats, for the people that run the, run the Democratic establishment, it's a choice between losing to Republicans or embracing a platform that distances yourself from the corporations that support you. Exactly. That's the choice. Like it's, it's, the, it's the age-old battle of progressivism versus fascism. Like That's where we're <laughs> at now. No, and it's like when are the liberals just going to start taking responsibility for their own shortcomings and just planting their feet? Literally all they would have to do – to stop this, if they truly cared about furthering any of their agendas, all that they would have to do is just plant their feet firmly in the ground and say, we're not socialists. Yes. That's a separate wing of the party. That's not us. Yeah. But instead, they choose to accept conservative framing because, like I said, that will further help them win later on when Republicans win and then they do shitty and then they get elected again. It's just a cycle. They are controlled opposition. Yeah. It, the easiest thing to do, the easiest thing to do is and not even just saying like, I'm not a socialist. It's to just say that Republicans are going to call anybody a socialist that runs against them. Yeah. That's all you have to say. Exactly. And then focus, say like, no, I'm not a socialist. Critical race theory isn't being taught in your schools. Now let's talk about issues that actually matter, like how I'm going to put food on the table for you. Yeah. But Democrats can't do that because to put food on the table for people- You got to be a socialist. Would mean, <laughs> literally would mean threatening the people that support them. Yeah. It's 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 a, I don't know, like a dialectic. It's a dichotomy. There's, something. A, there's a tug, constant tug of war. It's a contradiction. Yeah. Class contradiction, baby. Heighten the contradiction. That's yes. what we're here to do. Exactly. Yeah, anyway, Jaipal literally just kept not answering a single question. Which these are easy layups. Yeah, we could have got on there and done better. I'm doing better right now. Exactly. I would not be nervous. <laughs> exactly. No, I'd be. I'd stare Anderson Cooper down right in his stupid Imagine little fucking blue put eyes. Me in the studio with Cooper. Facts, give bro. me a town hall. Put me in a ring with Cooper. <laughs> give, give me a town hall. Give <laughs> oh, us a town true. hall. Head in the office town hall. True, true, true. Town hall, Grand Lake, Michigan, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even with all this fucking build back better shit, Cooper still wanted to frame it all around progressives. Yeah, I fucking oh, it's so frustrating, dude. Yeah, it is just so frustrating. Like if if I was on there, I would just ask like, why do you think the reconciliation bill has shrunk? Is it because of progressives? Yeah, is that the reason that people are going to get less out of this bill now? Is it because the majority of your party is standing against the progressives? No, yeah. it's because two people are holding up the process. Exactly. And like that's my next point. Why why isn't he blaming Joe Manchin? Why yeah. isn't he blaming Kirsten Cinema? I don't know because those two are responsible for the optics of the Democratic Party right now. Mm-hmm. They're responsible for the entire thing. We look; it looks like a disorganized mess. 
yeah. because of that. See, this kind of it further reinforces the uh, conspiracy theory I have in my mind okay. that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are just taking the bullet for like 100%. a majority of the party that doesn't actually want to pass these things. Yeah, and like you can call me crazy for thinking that. Like that that does seem like a conspiracy theory, but honestly, it's one that feels realistic because. Yeah. Every single time a Democrat's in power and we have like a trifecta, like C2008, mm-hmm. we just suddenly can't get any progressive legislation through. Like it oh, was yeah, Joe no. Lieberman in 2008 that completely sunk or took out major components of the ACA. There's always somebody. And we, I think, I can't remember what the margin was, but we had almost 60 or exactly 60 senators. Like we won big in 2008 when Barack Obama won. Yeah. A lot of people came in with Barack Obama and then we couldn't get a progressive agenda through. Things started stalling out and then we got absolutely washed in 2010. Exactly. But you know who did win? The banks. Yes. Yes. Everybody that fucked up won, mm-hmm. except for the people that got fucked over. Except for the regular people that didn't really do anything wrong, that have been just been fight actually fighting for their lives. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I see this, and I, I can't, I can't in good faith, like, sometimes I feel like I can't go out in good faith and be like, yeah, go vote for the Democrats. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, what the fuck are they going to do for you? Yeah. But I can't say good faith to go vote for progressives. Yeah. Exactly. See, it's, it is tough, because if, if it comes back down to another Joe Biden versus Donald Trump election in 2024... We're going to be saying go vote for Joe Biden. Exactly. Because there is a difference between liberalism and fascism. There is a material, like a small material difference. Yes. There, there's an actual difference in liberalism and fascism. But the thing is that like liberalism, because it's so weak, especially neoliberalism, always leads to fascism it's or like, some amount of fascism. It's like the sixth circle of hell versus the seventh circle of hell. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's damage control. Yeah. We vote for damage control in this Which country. fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually implement a parliament. Let me vote for a progressive candidate every single time without fear that I'm going to like (laughs) destroy the state of Michigan. Yeah, bro, come on. Just give me ranked choice voting. (laughs) Exactly. That'd be perfect. New York's already kind of doing it for their mayoral race. Let's just expand that. Yeah. Come on now. But anyway, so after that fucking abysmal interview, actually, no, 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 no. I have one last point that Jayapal made. She started talking about how this doesn't mean anything for the midterms. Oh, my goodness. Cap. Absolute fucking cap, dude. We're what is she on in this interview? I don't know. Hmm. I literally don't know. Did she just not want the hands? Did Pelosi be like, don't say anything bad in this interview? <laughs> <laughs> Pelosi's probably whipping her vaccines, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cap. And then she had faith in Joe Biden and the party. <sighs> what faith do you have right now? You, who do you have faith in? Joe Manchin? Who's taking your agenda as the leader of the Progressive Caucus mm-hmm. and manhandling it and tearing it apart? Yeah. What the fuck is up with that? I, I do know that um, the squad, including Pramila Jayapal, I think voted no on the rec- or the infrastructure deal. Yes. Because it went to a, a vote on the House floor uh, like last week, a couple days ago, whatever. Uh-huh. And the six of them voted no, but it still ended up passing because they had, um, I don't know, like 20 or something Republicans vote yes because it was a bipartisan one. Love that. So like they voted no. They they got their point across. I would have voted no. Same. Because the reconciliation bill is just a piece of garbage now. Put it in the trash. 2,000 pages of nothingness. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't even be surprised if it doesn't get passed now. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised Joe if it Ma- doesn't get passed Joe at Manchin all. Joe in his interview said, like, we might as well pass in totality the infrastructure bill and work on the reconciliation bill later. Yeah. That's just meaning, like, I'm not going to pass it. No, he, he, he literally said that. He literally said, now we can finally take the time to really look at the Build Back Better bill. Yeah. I don't know why Pelosi let it go to a vote, by the way. <laughs> Fuck, fuck Pelosi. Because yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the strategy this whole time was wait until they can vote on both so they can put both on Joe Biden's table and it would be a deal that's at least enough to address the needs that they want to address. But now they just voted on the infrastructure deal. It's going to pass in the Senate. 
and the whole the whole strategy fell apart. That's it. That's it. Now yeah. we have no bargaining chips at all whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So then immediately after the interview, Anderson echoed the sentiments of a Virginia congressperson saying, we didn't elect Biden for his grand ambitions. We elected him to be normal and stop the chaos. Bro, who said that? A Virginia voter? It was some Virginia congressperson. Oh, I can't like remember state, exactly who. Like a state? Uh, state legislature I person? I think so, state legislature. Okay. State legislature or state representative, maybe. Bro, Joe Biden ran on like a pretty progressive platform, though. Yeah, like, like progressive kind of. in terms of like liberalism. Yeah, yeah, progressive within like the realm of Leo. It was more progressive politics. than Hillary Clinton's yeah. <laughs> platform was. Less which than is, Bernie, but still. Which is funny considering that the only Democrat who's been successful in running a campaign centered around I'm not Trump. Yeah. The other guy's Trump was the candidate who had a somewhat progressive agenda. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. He hasn't delivered on any of that progressive agenda. But I think honestly, that's the only time an I'm not Trump message will work. Is yeah. If you are running against the actual man. Yes. Like you, you can see across the country like, yes, there were progressives that lost their races. And I would say that's generally, again, because of the, the general trend that people in the Democratic Party are going to lose mm-hmm. or going to have a harder time getting elected because Joe Biden's the president. That's just how politics works out. But progressive agendas are very popular. Yes. And I think more of the stink is honestly with the Democratic Party. Oh, they're it, so it weak. is. It's with the people that control the party. Like, it's uh, with the Democratic news apparatus. With local elections and even state elections, people don't really look that much into what the platforms are, what yeah. the policies are of that individual candidate. They look at the letter next to your name. Yeah. And even that may even apply to like congressional house races. Because people don't pay that close of attention to, like, if they're going to elect Alyssa Slotkin again or not. Yeah. They look at the D or the R next to your name, and they pick one based on how the party is performing. And that Mm -hmm. a lot has to do with the president. So, of course, when it comes to a Virginia governor's race and McAuliffe is a soggy cookie, (laughs) they're not going (laughs) to vote for him in the context of Joe Biden and the Democratic Party failing to implement anything of substance. It's, dude, it's something else. It's something else. But, like, back to this. It's it's giving – what was that one congresswoman? When uh, she lost her house seat that said or somebody else lost their house seats. It was right yeah. after the 2020 election. She's like, I don't ever want to hear the word socialism ever again. I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember the name. I want to say it was Alyssa Slotkin. No, it wasn't, she's it wasn't Slotkin. a Michigan representative. Right? Yeah, she's yeah, a Michigan okay. representative. It wasn't Alyssa Slotkin. It was somebody else. But I know what you're talking about. And it was a lot of moderates that were like, I never want to hear the word socialism ever again. We can yeah. never say defund the police ever again. Yeah. It's like, that's not the reason you lost. It's like, I'm sorry. They held on to their seats. Honey. You lost because you, too, are a soggy cookie. <laughs> yes, naturally. That's <laughs> That's actually what it is. <laughs> but Ridiculous. Anyway, like, dude, fuck that statement. Yes. Completely. Like, Biden barely had grand ambitions. Yeah. Within the scope of things, he wanted, like, what? Canceling student debt. Canceling student debt. Fucking... Canceling student debt, but it was contingent on, like, um, up certain, to a certain to threshold. A certain yeah. A $15 uh, minimum wage. Got which canned is in two months. The bare minimum. Got canned in, like, a month, we two months. absolutely needed it, and it was immediately canned by <laughs> Kirsten Sinema, Joe Manchin, and six other senators. Yeah, right? and Joe Biden, who said, like, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I guess he canceled the pipeline, but that's not really that hard to do, considering that it hadn't been built yet. Yeah, and he rejoined the Paris Agreement. Which is something we're going to talk about in a bit, but still. Which really kind of means nothing. Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So, like, what grand ambitions? Exactly. In the grand scope of things. And, like, advocating for normalcy is just advocating for all of these positions, like, all of these oppressive structures that exist today. Mm-hmm. To advocate for normalcy is to be complacent in white supremacy, the oppression of LGBTQ people, the oppression of racial minorities, yeah. and the oppression of the working class. Yeah, and that's also to say that there was no oppression, no struggle, nobody was having a bad time or struggling to make ends meet, like pre-Donald Trump. 
Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Was Biden or not Biden? Was Obama like the epitome of everything we need to accomplish in this country? To the Democratic establishment, that's what it is. Like, they literally just said they want to maintain the status quo. Yeah. And if that isn't alarming to you, it really should be. Because think, just sit down for a second and think, what does the status quo mean for you? Yes. Yeah. Like, you, the status quo, like, oh, oh, you're fine with all of the racial inequities that was yeah. highlighted over the course of last year. Yeah. You're fine with all this police brutality. Yeah. You're fine with 40%, 43% of the country living paycheck to paycheck? Mm-hmm. You're okay with that? Yeah. You want that? And not only that, but think about what uh, a status quo argument means in terms of an election. It encourages yeah. nobody to vote. Think of anybody that you could be like, let's keep things the way they are. That isn't going to just choose the Republican candidate. Exactly, because at least the Republican candidate's going to lie and say, yeah, I'm going to bring jobs back. Right. And well, then continue to send jobs overseas. That, but they're also going to regress further than the status quo. And that's yeah. what a lot of conservatives want that are sold on the Republican Party. But no Democrat in good faith can actually argue for a status quo, like as a status quo candidate, and win. You can't do that, especially now when things are so polarized. Exactly. You can't say, like, I'm going to return things to the way they were, or I'm going to keep things the same. Like, nobody's going to be excited by that. That's yeah. just going to make people apathetic and not want to vote for you. And you shouldn't ever be able to win on a status quo platform. Yeah. Because shit sucks right now. Right. If people want status quo, they're just going to pick people like Glenn Youngkin to vote for. Exactly. And that's exactly what they did. And if you're a fucking, like, Harvard-educated journalist working at CNN and you're saying dumb shit like that, send your degree back, bro. <laughs> Jail time. Jail <laughs> Send him to the brig. I'm straight up authoritarian. Jail time. Exactly, bro. Jail I, time. I fucking hate this. And it's just to say, to say that the party is moving too far left is to say that Joe Biden is far left. Yeah. Cap. <laughs> Absolute cap. Dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Uh, anyway, we spent enough time talking about soggy cookie Terry McAuliffe. Ultimately, <laughs> I think the argument for us, our viewpoint on this boils down to liberalism sucks. It's inadequate to actually getting elected, and it's just going to lead to more Republicans getting elected. Yes. Unless the Democratic Party is going to decide to go further left, but doing so means that they sabotage themselves. And you need to be mad at the status quo right now. Right. And that, that should add up because, like, look, why is Bernie independent? Because he literally can't be a Democrat and win. Facts. And that's, like, true. Like, he didn't win the presidential <laughs> election as the Democratic candidate. He couldn't. Literally can't win. Like, literally, he can't win. Because the yeah. DNC will rig it. He could only win in a place like Vermont. Yeah. yeah. Like, like that's that's just true. Like, he couldn't win in a Democratic stronghold. Mm-mm. Like, the person who ran against Nancy Pelosi in 2020, <laughs> he got absolutely washed. He was a socialist candidate that she wouldn't even go to a debate with. Yeah. Like, you can't win in the Democratic Party as someone who's further left. You just can't. Oh, I hate it here. I hate it Anyway, here. speaking of uh, liberalism, <laughs> yeah. we got to talk about Joe Biden at these climate conferences over the weekend or What's over the past one? week. What's this one? C26? Uh, COP26. And there was also a G20 summit. Oh, that was also at this time? Yeah, that was his whole trip to like Europe. He was in Scotland. Oh, he was in Rome. Okay. He went to a couple other places. So it was the G20, G20 and then the COP26? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Is, this is like the last three months. There have been three climate conferences. Yeah. They just keep getting bigger too. Climate change has like... It's over now. <laughs> yes. Anyways, so last Monday, world leaders attended the COP26, which, if you don't know, is a UN climate conference that was held in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, the purpose of this summit, which is similar to the G20, which happened a few days prior to mm. this, um, it's basically just to bring world leaders together so that they can discuss how they want to stop climate change. Keyword discuss, and I mean just discuss. And I want to note that the 26 is like in numeric order. So there's been 25 other of these. <laughs> By the way. Really? (laughs) Yes. There's been 25 other ones. So this is the 26th COP, and I don't remember what COP stands for, but it's an acronym. Um, For example, the uh, Paris Agreement came from these kinds of events. It came from the COP21 in 2015. Wow. Um, 
Trump withdrew from the Paris Agreement, as a lot of people already know. Yeah. Uh, once he won in 2016, and Biden rejoined uh, back in 2021 when he was inaugurated. And the Paris Agreement technically didn't end until November of 2020, so it was only it was a very short lapse. Yeah. So that's how you know it didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, but there's a quote from an MSNBC article, which I know also painfully liberal, but I thought it was a, an interesting quote to discuss. So it says. Though Trump's withdrawal from the Paris Agreement didn't become effective until November of 2020, it still signaled to the world, yet again, that the United States isn't exactly a reliable partner on addressing climate change. Biden reversed that decision with an executive order on his first day in office, and the U.S. officially rejoined the climate treaty in February. But that doesn't erase what's what's occurred, nor does it change the fact that the U.S. isn't poised to do that much better in the near future. Everyone in Glasgow knows that no matter how sincere Biden's promises are, it's up to Congress to enact them. Yeah. That's how we're seen on the world stage, baby. <laughs> the, essentially, essentially, no matter how sincere Biden's promises are, no matter how much he wants it, it's up to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema <laughs> to enact them. And, and world leaders know this. Yeah. Around the world, they know this. Bro, send Joe Manchin to these conferences. Yeah. Maybe something will get done. And <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> during the open cer- <laughs> opening ceremony of the COP26 with opening speeches, <laughs> Biden <laughs> fell asleep in the audience. <laughs> Bro, it slumped. <laughs> And I don't know. I don't know if he actually fell asleep. It looked like me, like in an eight a.m. class, falling asleep. Yeah, it looks Be- like you're like nodding off a little bit, like, yeah. and then you like so, scared back yeah, up. Yeah, Newsweek reported that a video posted on Twitter by Zach Purser Brown, a reporter from the Washington Post, showed that the president was closing his eyes for about twenty <laughs> seconds during opening speeches of COP twenty six, the summit in Glasgow, Scotland, on Monday, and then an aide is seen approaching the president, who then opens his eyes and claps <laughs> as the speech ends. <laughs> And, like, the video's pretty bad. Like, he's very clearly nodding off. No, 1,000%. Yeah. 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 And the, the opening speeches came right on the heels of Biden leaving Rome and coming to Scotland, so he was, like, probably jet-lagged. But, <laughs> but I still think it's really funny that he fell asleep. I think it's, really, it's a really bad look. It's really funny, and I honestly, I don't give a fucking shit. No, it's the same thing he did with the uh, when he met the new Israeli prime minister, Natalie <laughs> Bennett. Remember when he fell asleep yes. during that? Because they were sitting in the Oval Office and bro had his head down, just eyes closed, asleep, as Naftali Bennett was like talking to the press or whatever. I think that's really funny. Um, and then after <laughs> after this whole thing, of course, liberals jumped to his uh-huh. defense and conservatives attacked him. And I think there's some there's some quotes we can go through there's on some this. gold here. Yeah. So liberals, uh, a couple of things they said, especially on Twitter, was, I'm giving him a pass on this one. Traveling abroad, speaking is monotone, talking points being repeated. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay yeah, somebody said right. hard to blame him i mean yeah like it is hard to blame him but like, i'd fucking fall asleep at one of those things yeah. too like it's not it's a non-issue yeah the conservative said the house gop twitter said this america is in a crisis and joe <laughs> biden is asleep at the wheel so climate change is a crisis is yeah that what they're saying? hold on a minute yeah climate change is a crisis um and then somebody else i don't know who this was says geez not the best look when you're trying to tell the world to wake up i'm like yeah dude okay sure like i agree it's not a newsworthy thing bro these things are fucking stupid. i like the reaction though and the even better Donald yeah. Trump had a had a take yeah. on this. He said, oh, no. unlike his personal blog on his website, he said, even Biden couldn't stand hearing so much about the global warming hoax. Hoax? <laughs> hoax? The seventh biggest hoax in America. What are the other six? <laughs> uh, probably like all voter fraud. Uh, <laughs> he then goes on to say, uh, Biden went to Europe saying global warming is his highest priority, then promptly <laughs> fell asleep for all the world to see at the conference itself. 
Nobody that has true enthusiasm and belief in a subject will ever fall ever asleep. Ever fall asleep, ever. Wasn't Trump <laughs> caught asleep at some events too? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, it's not a fun. I literally don't give a shit. They're, They're old. <laughs> They're old. Dude, we live in a gerontocracy. <laughs> what do you expect? They're literally old. I've never seen Bernie fall asleep at an event though. That's facts. Bro's That's posted facts. up at Biden's inauguration even. So true. With the mitts on. The man's and shit. Bro's shit. looking cute. Um, so on the other hand, at the G20, um, an even more cringy thing happened, I think. Let's go. Uh, G20 leaders at the end of the conference were seen throwing coins into the Trevi Fountain in Rome, <laughs> which is like a, a very like historical landmark. Okay. And they were wishing for good luck in fighting climate change. Luck? <laughs> luck? <laughs> Bro, to who? Who are you wishing yeah. good luck to? That's like Joe Biden tossing a coin and being like, I wish for good luck in raising the wage to $15 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> So this happened after Biden left, so he wasn't there. But notable world leaders like Boris Johnson from the UK, Emmanuel Macron, mm-hmm. the uh, president of France, Narendra Modi from India, Angela Merkel from Germany, and more. They were seen throwing coins uh, into the fountain, wishing for luck in fighting climate change after the G20. Bro, that's like me. That's like me wishing for luck in completing my like homework assignment. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is entirely within your capacity to just do it. Yeah, like not, not within me getting a good grade because that would require some luck considering mm-hmm. the homework I've been fucking doing this week, right? Yeah. But like just doing it, like sitting down and doing it, that's mm-hmm. just something you do. Yes. That's it. Yeah. No, they literally have the power to stop climate change and they're doing a photo op. <laughs> they could do a lickety split. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially countries with uh, legislators that are less like competent, incompetent than ours. Yeah. Like, uh, in, I don't know. I don't know other like I don't know how the politics are. In other I don't countries. know the inner workings. But especially in places. countries with like legislative bodies that aren't they don't have, you know, the Joe Manchins and the Kirsten exactly. cinemas don't have just obstructionists. They could definitely do more than we are Facts. or definitely just do more in general. Facts. Um, so, yeah, that, that about sums up what uh, I think what world leaders are willing to do to, to stop climate change. Toss a coin into a fountain. We we love that. The, at this point, these conferences are just huge circle jerks. Oh, yeah. Where's the fucking change? Mm-hmm. Like I said, there have been three conferences in the last, like, I don't know when the G7 was. It was it within, was... like, the realm of the pod, so I would say the last four months. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. the fuck? Nothing's happened. Nothing's come out of it. Mm-mm. China didn't show up, notably, which I think you have in here. Yeah. Like, Fine. China wasn't there, and they're a nation that could actually do something. And we, we can't even pass climate standards of our own. So true. You so know what true. I mean? We like got Joe Manchin in interviews saying, "Well, West Virginia, it's got a, it's got an ocean of natural gas. We just need to build more pipelines." Yeah, yeah. That's it. And like uh, a lot, uh, I know a lot of blame is cast at China, and they they partially deserve it because they, you know, they're a pretty big polluter. But I also think some of it isn't fair because China, for the most part, is still industrializing. Yeah. Like all the Western nations had a head start at industrializing because we just fucking destroyed other countries with natural resources. No, China didn't do that. Literally. Literally. Yeah. We've had a head start in industrializing. Yeah. We've gotten to the point, we were able to get to the point to which we could ship off our industry, capital flight, to other nations, specifically yeah. China, the industrial hub of the world, mm-hmm. and force them to do it. We're just pushing all our bad will onto China. Yeah. And like China does have like areas of improvement of course oh yeah they are responsible for it oh absolutely yeah i mean yeah but at the same time they have the most people in the world in their country yeah they're the most populous country and also as you develop energy consumption increases and the easiest energy to access is like coal and natural gas Mm -hmm. which like is a bad thing and we need to to undo that incentive oh yeah the only way we do that is by the further developed nations the more industrialized nations providing them with the resources and the patents necessary 
to build renewable energy technology. And China's working on doing that. Exactly. They're already doing it. Like China, China will do what is efficient. That's kind of how they run their state capitalist country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they're working on high speed rail. And Where's it is our high speed rail? By the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Where's our high speed rail? Mm-hmm. They're working on that shit. Yeah. And and while we blame China for like not doing anything to combat climate change, which is, again some of it is fair, we also of course don't have any climate standards in our fucking country. At exactly, all. we left the Paris. <laughs> we have we have no even semblance of public transportation. We have no high speed railing. What are we doing to stop corporations from polluting the earth? What are we doing to set up real climate standards that will stop these corporations and impose fines and stuff like that? Yeah. What are we doing to incentivize people uh, using renewable technologies in their homes? Nothing. What does it matter if we have all these industrialized Western nations? come and jerk themselves off at these conferences talking about how they're going to stop climate change when they're stopping climate change like they're just doing it so they can look better on paper yeah when in reality they are shipping these industries off to the global south yes and just making them be the polluters and then they're pointing the finger at them and they're using it to further further um like more racial stereotypes yeah further racialize these people Mm -hmm. like come on yeah no the united states deflects a lot of its uh anger about climate change onto China when really we're not even doing what we're telling China to do. Exactly. When it's our fault that China is like that as the, well. The only thing that we do better than them when it comes to climate is show up to these conferences where nothing gets done. <laughs> Facts. That's it. Facts. And even sometimes China does show up. Like they've shown up before. Yeah. But they weren't here this time. Weren't they at the G7? I think so. Yeah. I think Xi Jinping was at the G7. Maybe. Like, uh, we could be uh, But either way, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just more fucking saber, ra- saber rattling yeah. at China. It's just more like borderline xenophobia. It's more Cold War propaganda at China. Facts. Like Facts. that's literally what we're – it's a Cold War. Love that. Absolutely Ridiculous. Love that. All but right. This is also besides the fact that climate change is going to lead to mass migration. Oh, yeah. That's the point I forgot to mention. But, yeah. You know what I mean? Look at Haiti. Yeah. Look at what's happening with that. Look at all the fucking immigrant crises that are coming through. It's too expensive to protect smaller countries from natural disasters caused by climate change. So they end up having mass migration events. Yeah. And so they come to more developed nations that aren't affected by these things because climate change hasn't gotten that bad yet, quote unquote. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then we get to jerk ourselves off when we send private Western contractors and or charities, quote unquote, to do these economic redevelopment initiatives that ultimately only serve to disenfranchise the businesses native to the area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is exactly what we did with Haiti, by the way. It's exactly what we did with Haiti. It's exactly what we do anywhere that has like a big hurricane that happens. Yep. It's, it's a problem. It's an actual problem. And Western contractors and charities then have a vested economic interest in climate disasters abroad. <laughs> yeah. So they have incentive to keep causing them. <laughs> they have incentive to keep causing them. They have incentive to lobby the government to get them to stop climate reforms. Mm-hmm. And that's neocolonialism. Yeah. That's what it is. This is how we exert economic control over poorer developing nations yeah. that are suffering issues that we caused yeah no that's that's exactly what colonialism is that's it that's oh my god it's so stupid it is exactly what the united states did with haiti and it's what we've done with a bunch of other countries yeah and there's no financial incentive for us to curb climate change like there's 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 a there's a political incentive for politicians to talk about it but there's no actual incentive for them to do anything about it because again doing so hurts their bottom line and the democratic party can't do that like i only said the only incentive that exists is a neo-colonial incentive to further your economic reach and economic control yeah. over these countries in over these poorer countries in often the global south mm-hmm. and shit like that like that's it and this is besides the fact that neo-colonialism neo-imperialism happens in other ways too yeah like how we'll exert military control over an area and or things like that the imf 
will loan out. Yeah. Will the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. fucking IMF, the neoliberal IMF will give out loans to these countries that they can then only spend back on U.S. contractors. Yeah. It's just a cycle. We made a fucking company town. Like that, exactly. that, that's company credits. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. talking about? <laughs> like it's, like, it's a company country. Like, yeah, it's straight up like feudalism, but like countries instead. So stupid. It is bro. ridiculous. Um, anyways, that I think that about sums it up on the climate change nonsense. Um, ultimately, kind of the same thing as we talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. Liberalism just can't can't handle liberalism it. bad. Call this episode the uh the liberal diss. That's because oh, that's what we'd be doing. Facts, we'd facts, be liberal out. diss track. Exactly, exactly. Uh so the last thing I wanted to end on was a little bit of uh talk about Nazi sympathizers. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so there's a there's a candidate in the upcoming Arizona governor race. Uh, they have a governor's race coming up in 2022. The field is really full right now. I think it's got about like five or six candidates, maybe more prospective cool. candidates that are going to file. But one of the candidates, her name is Carrie Lake. All right. And she is a Nazi sympathizer that has been endorsed by Donald Trump. Wow. Um, and she also was like a QAnon sympathizer. And for those that don't know, for some reason, QAnon is just basically this far right conspiracy theory that says the world is like being controlled by a cabal of pedophile Democrats, but can only be stopped by Donald Trump. Yeah, and also Jews. Yes. Pedophile Democrat Jews. Yeah, it's very- The global elite, the deep state, and their fucking kids. Yeah. And like siphoning adrenochrome from babies' dicks. Yeah, you know? I was, was going to say there's like anti-Semitic undertones, but it's very explicit, actually. Yeah, no, it's literally, it's just straight up anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, it's anti-Semitism. Uh, there, here's a quote from CNN uh, about Carrie Lake specifically. Okay. It says- at a campaign event in late August, Lake posed for a photo and a video with far-right personalities Ethan Schmidt Crockett and the founder of the Anti-Maskers Club, <laughs> love that. who has harassed a store specializing in wigs for cancer patients this summer. <laughs> Just love that. <laughs> because it required customers to wear masks. And wow. Grayson Arnold, a Nazi sympathizer who has a history of making white nationalist, racist, anti-Semitic, and pro-Nazi statements, including once calling Adolf Hitler a complicated historical figure which many people misunderstand. No <laughs> no way, bro. No way. He did the joke. How do you do that? He did how do you, the joke. How do you do that unironically? Yeah. Like, like, that's always the joke is like, oh, Hitler was just misunderstood as a joke. Yeah. People say that as a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This dude meant it. Bro, bro's the type of dude to look at Hitler's paintings and be like, no, that's actually a really good painting and not just like say it for the memes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I really like that. Like, yeah. bro's the type of dude to own a Hitler painting. Yeah. Uh, so Carrie Lake, she was a, a former TV news broadcaster for some channel. I don't remember like the acronym for it, but it was owned yeah. by Fox News, unsurprisingly. Yeah. She's also been endorsed by Michael Flynn. Love that guy. <laughs> QAnon Michael Flynn, uh, <laughs> the former national security advisor for Donald Trump. That's who Michael Flynn is. The former and national also, security advisor who lobbied on behalf of a foreign country without disclosing that. Yeah, that's mind illegal, you. by that's the way. It's very illegal. And yeah. he was pardoned for it. whoop de doo Yeah. And then also she's been endorsed by Mike Lindell. <laughs> <laughs> My pillow, Mike to Lindell. A, two key political figures, which is funny because Mike Lindell for a minute was way more relevant than Michael Flynn. Oh, yeah. Well, I think <laughs> Mike Lindell's probably more relevant than Michael Flynn. Today, Michael Flynn does like, not matter. After his pardon, that shit all got like brushed under the rug. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now it's Mike Lindell, yeah. baby. Mike, the election was stolen Lindell. <laughs> Endorsed her. So that's that should tell you a little bit. A little bit of what you need to know about Carrie Lake. Yeah. Both very uh, avid QAnon stands, supporter of Donald Trump, that kind of thing. Uh, Lake has also been seen taking pictures and praising various public followers of QAnon, one of which is Marianne Mendoza, a right-wing activist. Okay. Okay. And Mendoza was previously dropped from speaking at the RNC, Republican the National RNC. Convention. The RNC? She was dropped from the RNC? That's hard. Yeah. Because she was claiming... <laughs> yeah, okay, this is hard. She was <laughs> claiming that Jews were plotting to take over the world. How do you... Dude, like... 
how do you say something so bad that you get dropped from the RNC? They they right. literally had they literally had I forgot the family name the fucking couple that like stand and posted out on their front yard when the Black Lives with Matter guns when Black by. Lives Matter yeah. when black people were just walking by their house mm-hmm. they suspect, suspected them of the crime of walking while black you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. and so they posted up with guns outside they yeah. had them speak at the RNC yeah. But you're telling me you go, you go out there and say something so egregious that you get dropped? Yeah. The, the RNC canceled you, bro? Yeah. No, like, that's the thing is with the Republican Party, you can be as racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, sexist as you want. You can be all the isms yeah. that you want. As long as it's not so blatant that you literally just say something like Jews are going to take over the world. <laughs> as long as you literally just don't say it. Yeah. That's it. Like, as long as you don't say the N-word, you can speak at the RNC and be just as racist as you I mean, shit, you could probably say the N-word. Not even going to (laughs) cap. Not even going to cap. Like, as long as you don't explicitly say Jewish people are going to take over the world, you should be okay. Like, they would still allow you to Like, Marjorie Taylor Greene is an elected official within the Republican Party, and she said that Jewish space lasers were destroying California and causing the wildfires. I was going to say, she she sounds like Marjorie Taylor Greene, but somehow worse. Yeah. Because, like, Marjorie Taylor Greene, big, big QAnon, but at least she doesn't, like... Nazi, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'm sure she is like a little bit on the side. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Is like as long as it's implicit and not explicit, yeah. you're fine and the party will accept you. Like Matt Gates type shit. Like he's oh, an actual pedophile yeah. and they still accept him. No facts. Yeah. Bro, sex trafficker. Bro's an actual human tra- <laughs> Yeah. Um and then there's other uh also there's other like QAnoners, QAnon stands, QAnon adjacent people that are running for Arizona US House seats. Okay. <laughs> that have uh endorsed Lake and Lake has endorsed them. Nice. <laughs> so that's a lot of fun. Nice. Um, one of them, Daniel Wood, one of her supporters, is running for Arizona's third district. He said that he's followed QAnon at times. And while he's cautious of the movement, it has millions of followers who really want to see our country succeed. Dog, that's, <laughs> that is absolutely not how you navigate a situation. Like, I'm sure within the Republican Party, yeah, that's perfectly how you navigate a situation like that. But like broadly, bro. You... <laughs> <laughs> he said I'm sure he did the he did the Donald Trump. There's good people on both sides. Thing. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. No, basically, that is exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. That's insane. <laughs> I really love that these are the candidates we're getting for some of the highest offices in the land. I love that these are going to become one of the most powerful people in the country. I love how they're literally going to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no facts. Like, yeah. these people are probably going to win in their districts. Bro. Like, if it's a safe red district, uh, in in Republican primaries, further right candidates keep winning. Yeah. Like, moderate Republicans are no longer winning. Oh, yeah. And no, if it's you... a safe red district where, like, the Democrats never win... People like Daniel Wood are just going to win their district you, and like just be be QAnon believers in you Congress. You have to be endorsed by Trump to win in the Republican Party right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Like he is a deity. He's been deified. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty four is going to be going to be something. But what's going to be even better is this time next year. Oh yeah, when we start covering the midterms, mm-hmm. that shit is going to be putrid. Oh yeah, and I'm here for it because I'm a messy bitch. Oh yeah, next year twenty twenty two, our coverage is going to be wild. Exactly, we're going to be watching the debates. Watch <laughs> no, no, getting a good look at all the QAnon candidates. It's going to be a good time. See, oh yeah, bad time, but a good time. Really bad time for democracy. Good time for optics. For good us, time though. for content. You know, really good time for content. Yeah, it's. Like and and this just kind of goes to what we're talking uh, we, what we were talking about with Terry McAuliffe is that the liberal wing of well I guess just like the liberal elites in general the li- yeah. liberal establishment is too weak to handle these people. Oh yeah, because they can't side with them because they're obviously fucking insane. Because they suck. But they also can't side with people like Bernie Sanders, AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar, etc. Because that would mean embracing more progressive policies, and they can't. Exactly, they can't do it, and they Bro, won't. In summary, liberals suck. What's new? Facts. You know, get destroyed liberal in the marketplace of ideas. Exactly, bro. 
We've just get destroyed, destroyed levels. with facts and logic. Exactly. So with that, I think that closes out our episode for today. Exactly. You know, we got to give a, a special shout out to the special interest that control head in the office. <laughs> exactly. Our follow donor, the money. Our patrons. Our donor base. Uh, so special thanks to Cricket Scrapbook Layouts, Nikki Ooh. Nine Lives, Caden Kraut, Terrence Nicholson, okay. Chris the Postman, Christy Beck, and my mom for supporting the show on Patreon. If you want to get your name shouted out amongst these people at the end of our episodes, check out the Patreon. Exactly. Check it know. out. You know how it goes. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok. Keep the TikTok. Give uh, a like. Oh, give a follow. Before we get off, I also okay. wanna I also want to say that we got a comment on one of our YouTube videos. I can't oh. remember the username at, off the top of my head. Yeah. But they said that they've been like sharing the pod with their friends. Uh, they've been like trying to radicalize their friends uh, with the podcast. Like they really nice. love it. They love seeing their feed update with Head in the Office. So you know, we really appreciate I you. That. I like the hashtag you use. It was hashtag radicalize with exactly. the pod. I can. Maybe I that's can. something. Ooh, I can whip it up right here. Get you pulling it up. Get Jai it Butterfly up. on YouTube. My notifications are top tier, LMAO. I've been waiting for this shit all week. Me too. <laughs> I have also been waiting for this all week. I've been waiting for comments like these as well. Yeah. Because they got me smiling when I go to sleep. And I don't bro, do that often. Bro, who got you smiling like that? Smiling like that. You know, you know, she said she said she showed her boyfriend this. And he has his coworkers listening to it while they open the store in the morning. Shout out, y'all. Oh, my God. Just Shut imagine, up, I don't like, I don't know where she lives. Let's just say, like, imagine you're in like a Nebraska, you're a Nebraskan worker. Exactly. You're just in some like some random convenience store. Open it up at six a.m. with your homies and head in the office. And bam, the you hear, you hear, John Cox and Balls is running in the California recall election. <laughs> yeah, in the background, you just hear Terry McAuliffe is a soggy cookie. <laughs> so exactly. whoever you are listening while you're opening work. We appreciate you, and we exactly. appreciate all the comments and support that we get. Couldn't literally read all our comments on the TikTok, on yeah. the YouTube. Like we're not big enough to have to worry about not seeing them all yet. Exactly. So we get to it. We get to it. We appreciate you all for the support. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see y'all next. Have week. a good week. Love you.